Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. So this morning, we're going to be looking at God's heart for the nations, and we're going to look at uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. This is actually one of my favorite passages of Scripture, one that I've meditated on and studied on and actually even taught on a number of times through the years. This is God's covenant with Abraham. So we're going to look at Genesis 12, 1 to 3, uh, and then a number of other scriptures, but it's on the screen and uh, in your little booklet, and you can follow along in your Bible. So hear now the word of our covenant God. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you." Uh, back in 1984, Linda and I had uh, just gotten married, and we immediately went over to Okinawa, Japan. I was in the Marine Corps, and we were going to spend our first year of marriage over there. And we really were unsure of what, what a year in Okinawa was going to be like and what effect it was going to have on our lives. I figured, you know, we were going to enjoy it. We were going to get to be in a different culture. But I did not expect how God was going to use that year to completely change my heart regarding his worldwide mission. But during that time, uh, my understanding of the need for the Great Commission was radically changed. Because in Okinawa, very, very few people have heard or understood the gospel. All of Japan is actually one of the great unreached nations of the world, even to this day, very few people in Japan. Uh, have heard and responded to the gospel. We're actually blessed that we have somebody from that's part of BRCC that is from Japan and is one of the believers uh, from there, but very few are. And that opened my eyes to the need for the gospel. We could meet many people in Okinawa that knew very little about Jesus. They, they conceived of him as some Western God. Um, and then while we were there, the, the pastor of the church gave me a little book called Operation World, which completely turned my life upside down. It was a book that back then came out in book form. You can find it on the internet today. But every day you would pray for a different nation or a different people group. And for several years I would do that. I would wake up in the morning and when I would go in, the first thing I would do in the morning is read through the thing for that day and start praying for that nation. And the end result of that was I knew that God had called me to be a leader in his church. And I told the Lord, if, if I ever get to be a pastor, Lord, the very first thing I want to do is see if our church can give at least 10% of everything that came in to go out to your worldwide mission because you're not just interested in America. You are interested in all the nations of the earth. And so it was in that time in Okinawa that God uh, did that in my heart and life. And it is something that has shaped our congregation. For those who remember almost 30 years ago when, when the uh, elders asked me if I would become an elder and, and become a pastor in the church, the very first thing I asked for was the church couldn't afford to pay me anything. I had to keep working my other job. I said, but can we start giving 10% of our money to God's worldwide mission? And let's, let's make it a percentage so that it'll grow with us. And it's become part of the DNA of our church. From the time you walk in the front door and you see the map of the world, the fact that we pray for missionaries virtually every Sunday, and even that when we did uh, VBS, it's involved about all the nations of the world and doing this. So uh, today I'm just going to take a few minutes to go through God's heart for the nations and remind us and stir up in us that we are to be a global people because we serve a global God. He is on mission from here to the ends of the earth, and we have the privilege of being part of that worldwide mission. So let's dig in and talk about it. Look at God's call to Abraham and us. We're going to see that the New Testament's quite clear. This, this belongs to us. But notice God's 
call. The first thing is notice God's covenant with Abraham. This is the first time he's making covenant. He'll renew it in Genesis 15 and in Genesis 17. But notice I've got highlighted here what word recurs over and over and over again in this covenant. Bless. Okay, every week we end with a benediction, which is a good word, which is a blessing. And we do that because at the heart of God's covenant with his people is blessing. Five times in just a couple of sentences, God's telling Abraham, I promise I am going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I'll curse. And everybody on earth is going to get blessed through you. So some form of bless or blessing occurs five times in these verses because God's blessing is at the heart of his covenant. But the, uh, and, and we can go on and expand this out because God shows that it's not only that blessing is there, but how broad in scope the blessing is. Notice there are, there are three broad categories of blessing that are indicated here in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Number one, which is highlighted in yellow, he said, uh, I'm going to make you into a great nation. That's a promise of posterity. And of course, when we know the story of Abraham in the scripture, it's one of the great problems. Abraham has to wait until he's almost 100 years old until the promised seed actually comes. But God is promising Abraham here that I'm going to increase your numbers. He's later on says, if you can count the stars as much as the sand on the seashore, Abraham... From you, one person, in fact, I'm going to rename you from exalted father Abraham to father of many nations. Even your name is going to change because I am promising you to increase your numbers. Secondly, it's not just uh, posterity. He promises provision. Notice he says there, I will bless you. You're giving up what you had before. Abram, make no mistake. I'm asking you to leave everything you had before, but I'm going to give you even more. Um, I'm not going to put the scripture up, but in Mark's gospel, Jesus at one point uh, is, is stating that, you know, with the kingdom, there is persecution, but there's all of this blessing. And Peter says, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, I'm telling you, you're going to receive a hundredfold what that is. Yes, there's going to be persecution, but I'm going to give you a hundred times whatever you left behind. So at the heart of the covenant, there is provision. And then thirdly, there's even protection. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Notice, not whoever curses you, now you get to act the same way back to them. You are intent on blessing. But don't worry, if they try to take advantage, I will be your protection. In fact, when he comes back in Genesis 15, he says, I am your shield, Abraham. I am your reward. And so when you look and say to a lonely man who has left his family, he's left everything he has known behind, all of his possessions, and God comes and says, I make covenant with you and I'm going to bless you. At the heart of it is blessing. What kind of blessing? I'm going to give you posterity. I'm going to give you provision. I'm going to give you protection. You're going to be multiplied out. All that you need to accomplish what I'm calling you to do will be given you, and I'm going to guard and keep you until it's done. What more could anybody possibly want? I mean, that is a, <laughs> that is a great covenant. But here's what is important. The Lord also says, and here's why I'm going to do it, Abraham. See, there's much teaching in the church today that likes to focus on these blessings, but I focus on the blessings because, well, this is great. I get to, I get to take all this in and spend it on me, the most worthy cause in the world. But see, God says, no, that's not why I'm blessing you. Notice what he says here. He tells him, you know, I'm going to do all this, Abraham. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a... Does that sound familiar to anybody in our church? If you don't say something, I'm going to throw my water bottle at you. Because, I mean, we repeat this every week, right? Blessed to be a blessing. And I'm glad that I had one time back in January, twice in one week, people in our church had really extended themselves out one time to bless us and another time to bless someone else. And when I said do it, they said, well, I'm blessed to be a blessing. <laughs> I was like, good, we're, we're getting that lesson driven into us. And this is where it came from. It's not our idea. God said, Abram, I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing. And then notice, 
All peoples on earth are going to be blessed through you. You are a channel of blessing. It's not just for you. It's not just for your family. It's not for your little clan. It is for everyone. Abram, you're a pipeline. I want to bless, and I want to bless so much, I'm going to be pouring blessing into you, but you're not to try and figure out, don't tear it down and build bigger barns. No, let the overflow go out. Let it pass on to others. That is to be your heart, Abraham. Don't hoard the blessings, pass them on. I bless you, you be a blessing. That's God's call to Abraham. Now, Interestingly, the New Testament even tells us, and this is so important for us as the people of God to to understand, that this applies to us and that the ultimate blessing is actually the gospel itself. See, we can be agents of peace to others because we've been brought to peace with God. We can pass blessing on because we are in covenant relationship with God. So notice the Apostle Paul brings this up. And and please note, Paul's not just ripping this verse out of context. Abraham, when God makes this covenant, is it by grace or by works? It's grace. What has Abraham done at this point? Nothing. This is not Abraham after he's passed the test with Isaac and God says, okay, well, you really passed this hard test. Now I'll make a covenant with you. Abraham's done nothing. And God comes to him and says, I've chosen you, I make covenant with you because I want to pour blessing into your life to bless others. So the Apostle Paul is noticing this. It's by grace and not by works. Abram's done nothing. His obedience is actually going to flow from these promises. And we'll see, you know, Abraham, he obeys one day, he doesn't obey the next. Does that sound familiar? Right? Just like us. But God's covenant continues to be there because it's based on grace. It's received through faith. How's Abraham justified? He believed God's promise and God credited it as righteousness. So the Apostle Paul takes that and notice how he reads this. Please, I'm always trying to teach us how to read the Bible. Paul's teaching us how to read the Bible here. Here's how Paul reads that passage we just read. The scripture foresaw, this is Galatians 3, 8, and 9. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And it announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. That's Genesis 12, 3. We just read it. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. There Paul's going into the next time the covenant is brought forward, which is in Genesis 15. He says, Abraham is Abraham the believer. He's the man of faith. Because if you believe, you're a child of Abraham. And if you don't believe, you're not a child of Abraham. Because what is essential about Abraham is not the genetic blood that's flowing through him, but that he's a man of faith. That's what is significant about Abraham. And so God is here saying, notice Paul is saying, when I read Genesis 12, you know what I see? Worldwide mission. God wants to bless the Gentiles, the nations by faith. And so Abraham is hearing the gospel, the promise that I will bless you, Abraham. I'm going to pour so much blessing in your life is nothing other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no way for you or I or Abraham or Moses or David or Jeremiah to be blessed other than the gospel. Because if it were by works, they all failed. If it were up to them to even keep themselves in the covenant, they would never be able to do it. But it is by grace, and it is received by faith. And so uh, the gospel is announced to Abraham, and he says, and look, and the intent of this is as God establishes his covenant, as he gives his gospel to someone, the goal is they take it and they pass it on. They pass on every blessing I am giving them and let it go. And so this is the gospel that we announce to everyone that it is by faith, not by works. And note, the primary blessing is the gospel. Let me be as blessing be. Better to be dirt poor in not good physical health, outcast from society, and have the gospel than to be the richest man on earth, acclaimed by all, living a long life, 
and not have the gospel. That second man is poor. Even though the world says he's rich, he is poor. And if you, if you ever have the privilege of going, to go and be with believers in other contexts, believers who by our standards have nothing, and then see the joy that flows out of their heart that God has graciously called them by the gospel of his son. And to see them, to, to get to be there, I was looking through some pictures in the last week and seeing pictures of me baptizing a young convert from Islam in Niger and the joy on their faces that I was born into a culture that is 98% Muslim and somehow the gospel came to me. It Everything. It doesn't matter that I live in a mud hut. It doesn't matter. One of the guys we were baptizing, his entire family had tried to kill him. He had had to leave. And it didn't. the joy of Christ was there because my father and my mother may have abandoned me, but God has adopted me. I am his own. That is the gospel. And so brothers and sisters, we may be given physical blessings, but the ultimate blessing is the gospel. And even when God gives us physical, financial, health blessings, whatever else it is, they are there to serve the purpose of the gospel. Not my own ends, not my own goals, but the purpose of the gospel. Now, what I want to do is take a few minutes, and I'm going to do this quickly, but we're going to do a Bible survey and I want to show that in the law and the prophets and the writings and in the New Testament and the Gospels and all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, this theme of God's heart to reach and bless the nations is central. It's not something that started with the Great Commission. I've joked as this before, but sometimes Christians act like Jesus had a pregnant pause, the Spirit was a little late lifting him up. Uh, maybe you guys should, you know, I don't know, go reach the nations. No. God's heart for the nations. The Great Commission is just Jesus saying, let me tell you what the Old Testament was about. It was always about me blessing Abraham so that the nations could be blessed. That has always been the heart of God. So let me do a quick overview of this. In the book of Exodus, God is making covenant with Israel. And I remind you, they had also done nothing. By his grace, he calls them out of Egypt. He raises them from the dead. He saves them. And then he takes them to Mount Sinai, and he establishes covenant with them. And in Exodus 19, 5 and 6, he says, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, and let me just quickly say, see, this is the law. Are you glad we don't live by law? How many of you can say, God, I obey you fully and keep your covenant? None of us. Thanks be to God, we are saved by grace and not by law. But God is here establishing with Israel, and notice what he's doing. If you obey me fully and you keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, hear me. This is what Israel forgot. They wanted to stay separate from the nations, but what were they called to be? a priest to the nations. They were separate because they were the people of God, but that separateness was so that they could be back into the nation, so that they could be a priest. What does a priest do? A priest intercedes for others. A priest speaks blessings to others. A priest is between God and the other one to bring blessing from God to them. That is what Israel was called to do. She was called to represent God and to intercede for the nations. If you've read the Old Testament, did Israel do well at this call? No, did not. And in fact, because they did such a poor job, they were eventually sent into the nations because the gospel will go to the nations. You can take the gospel to the nations or God will bring the nations to you, but one way or another, the nations are going to come into contact with the gospel. And might I point out, it's a whole lot better if we go to them than God bring them here to us. Read the same thing in church history. Secondly, uh, notice in the, in the New Testament, this call is repeated for the church, which is the fulfillment of Israel. Peter writing to a bunch of Gentiles, okay? It's very clear these people were idolaters. They were not Jews by birth. But notice what he says to them. You are a chosen people, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. All of those phrases are right out of Exodus 19. The Greek is the same from the Greek translation of Exodus 19 and into 1 Peter chapter 2. You are what I had established with Israel. I, have it. I don't have a plan B. It's now expanded to Jew and Gentile in the church. I'm calling you to be a priest of the nations. And why am I doing this? So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We were all rocking out to that song this morning where we do that, right? That's God's blessing. Notice the same thing as Abraham. I'm going to bless you. Why? So that praise is overflowing out of your mouth to declare what God has done for you you. And in fact, what he goes on, if you just kept reading in First Peter, he says, look, I'm telling you as aliens and strangers in the world, you are all out in exile now. You're not living in, a, in your own little promised land with your own government. No, you are members in exile, but I'm telling you, live holy lives among them. Spread the word of God out to them. And let me explain. You got to honor the king. You got to, even if you're a slave, I want you to obey your hands because everything is about the gospel going forth. And that's exactly what Peter is telling them to do. We are called as priests to declare God's praise and to intercede for the nations. Who in this room is a priest? All of us. I'm not a priest in that sense. I'm another believer. I am called to be an elder, but I'm not because we are all priests. Now, it's not only there in the law in the Old Testament. It's also in the writings and in the prophets, many different ways. But one of the ways is God's promises to Israel's king, the Messiah. Psalm 2 is God speaking to the nations about responding properly to the Messiah. But he gives this astounding verse in Psalm 2.8, this promise to the Messiah. He says, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession." Why? Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 49, 6, he says, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Do you hear what, what God is saying? I, I am so pleased with my son. My son is so glorious. It is too small a thing just to bring people from Israel back. No, I want the nations, the ends of the earth. And let me tell you, Jesus didn't let the promise in Psalm 2.8 go. Well, thanks, Father, but never mind. I'll just stick with Israel. No, I can ask and the nations are mine. I ask. I want the nations. This, this should ring in every one of our hearts. Is Jesus only great enough that we should praise him? No. There will never be enough human voices offering praise to God. And that should burn as a passion in our heart to pass the gospel on to others because he needs even greater praise than we've seen. See, one of the things when we love something and we think it is beautiful, we naturally want other people to praise it. When we get something and we love it, we're excited to tell other people about it. Well, it's the same here. Because the most beautiful thing, the most glorious thing we have ever seen is our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a natural thing to tell other people about him and to say it's too small a thing that the, that the hundreds of millions that are already believers, that's too small a thing. We need more people joining in this choir. We want everybody to be singing praise to God. And notice... In uh, Micah, the book of Micah, and this is actually also in Isaiah as well, it promises this is going to happen. Micah 4, 1 and 2. Let, let this ring in your hearts. In the last days of the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his way so that we may walk in his path. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. God is promising, and this is in over 700 years before Jesus, about 750 BC. God is saying, look, the day is coming 
that my temple will be there. And it's not just that my people will come, the people of Israel. Nations are going to flood to it. They are going to flood to Yahweh and to his people. And brothers and sisters, where is the temple of God today? It's us. It is the church. This is not a building that can be built with hands in Jerusalem or anywhere else. The New Testament is clear. You are God's temple. Remember, the actual charge against Jesus when he gets crucified is you said you were going to destroy the temple and raise it up in three days because he is the temple of God in the earth and we are his body. And so Micah 4 is not about some far future place. It is happening right now. The nations are flooding into the people of God. The church has never grown more quickly than it is growing right now. Do we, do we deeply understand that? Because you are not going to read this in USA Today or the New York Times. You're not even going to see it on Fox News. You're not going to see it on any of that stuff. That's not the news that they are after. But make no mistake. The gospel is flooding and growing out. They estimate if current trends continue, by 2050, the only Western nation that will be in the top 10 in terms of numbers of Christians is America. All the rest of them are going to be places like Mexico and Nigeria and Uganda and countries in Asia. China is already there. They estimate there are already more believers in China than there are in America. That is an astounding thing. If you would have said that to a missionary to China 100 years ago, they would have told you, lay down, they would get a cold pack for your head. Because the guy, it didn't seem like it was happening. South Korea, which for years was a graveyard for missionaries, is now the second leading mission-sending nation in the world. Nobody would have believed that even 120 years ago. The Spirit of God is at work. Micah 4, 1 and 2, God's saying, I already told you all this was going to happen. I mean, you've had 2,700 years to get ready. We are living in a great day. The nations are flooding in. There may be parts of the world that, that have lost their mind and wanting to reject this, but there are many nations who are saying, can you explain to us the word of God? Can you tell us what God says, what God thinks about this? We may have people around us that are saying, I don't care what God thinks, but nations around the world are hearing and responding. When we move to the New Testament, Jesus, who mainly is there to offer the kingdom, to proclaim the kingdom to Jews, but notice even he says in John 10, 16, he's speaking and he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. He's speaking to Jews. He's saying, look, don't misunderstand. The whole Old Testament is telling you I'm going to be bringing the Gentiles in. And notice what he says, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Amazing thing. See, please hear this. If you look at some of these nations we've got listed on the wall over there, do you have more in common with your unbelieving next door neighbor that's American and the exact same ethnicity? Or do you have more in common with somebody of a wildly different ethnicity on the other side of the world that says, I'm part of the people of God? You've got far more in common with that other person. This stuff doesn't matter. The color of my skin, even the language I speak, it is meant to be used in service to God. What defines who I am is the gospel. And that's what Jesus says. There's going to be one flock. They may speak a thousand different languages or more. They may look wildly different from one another, but they're going to hear my voice. That's what defines who they are. We continue on. I don't even, uh, well, in, in Luke chapter 24, just briefly, Jesus has the on the road to Emmaus, he describes to the, the two disciples and goes through and tells them the entire Old Testament story and says, don't you understand it was all about me? And then as he's getting ready to ascend, he's speaking to all of the, uh, the apostles. And it says, he opened their mind. This is Luke 24, 45 to 47. He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. This is when, like Paul, they said, oh, you mean Genesis 12 was about everybody? Yes. The Spirit is helping you to understand. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to where? 
all nations. It's starting here in Jerusalem, but make no mistake, church, you may be in Jerusalem now, but you are going to all nations. That is the call. And then I won't even take the time in the epistles, but let's go to Revelation that tells us this is exactly what's happening. And I want you to understand in Revelation, in the first couple of chapters, we read the, the letters to the churches, the churches who are suffering, the churches who are under persecution, the churches who are sometimes obedient and sometimes not, they're struggling with compromise. And then suddenly in Revelation 4 and 5, we get a vision in heaven. Because see, whatever is happening here on earth around you and I, there's another story. And that is what God is doing. And notice in Revelation 5, 9, and if you go back, you remember in Daniel, at the end of Daniel, Daniel's given a vision, and he's told to seal it up, and nobody can read it. Well, in Revelation 5, the Lamb comes, and we read in Revelation 5, 9, they sang a new song, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people, and nation. I'm using as many words as I can to describe to say, however you break people down, Jesus has got people in that group. Whoever they are, wherever they are, whenever they are, it does not matter. God is at work. Jesus has bought people out of those tribes. We get the privilege of just telling the good news. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. After this, I looked, and before me there was a great multitude that no one could count. Is that good news? Promise of God. No one, there's not enough Cray computers on the earth to tally up this number. No one can count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes because they've received the gospel. They've been justified by faith. They are holding palm branches in their hands and they're crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And it continues on with the worship service that is going. Do you realize every Sunday when we do this, all we're really doing is joining an eternal worship service that's already happening in heaven constantly. We just get to join in, not just with our brothers and sisters, but with the heavenly worship song where people from every tribe and language and nation are joined together and, and praising God. They are declaring the praises of Him because no matter where they lived, one person stands up and says, I was born in you know, America, and the gospel was everywhere, but God reached out and called me and saved me. And another person says, I lived in Saudi Arabia. The gospel seemed to be nowhere, but somehow God reached out and called me. One person says, I was a rich white man. Another person says, I was a poor, uh, you know, lady from the Philippines. Another person uh, says, this is the language I spoke. All of them are standing there, and they are declaring the praises of God. Do you see, this is, this is the entire scripture from Genesis to Revelation. It's the heartbeat of God in the law. It is the heartbeat of God in the writings. It is the heartbeat of God in the prophets. It is what Jesus came to do that is recorded in the Gospels. It is what drives the church in the book of Acts. It's what is being written over and over again in all the epistles, and it's sealed in Revelation when God says, I promise you this will happen. And we get to be part of that. We sometimes can take this for granted, but brothers and sisters, what a glorious thing. There are people wondering what to do with their life. You and I should never wonder what to do with our life. You've been given treasure. You are blessed. And your life purpose is spreading it. Letting it go. Letting the blessing go out to other people. And what good news. You're in covenant with God. You're never going to say, I poured it out and then nothing came back in. Never will happen. Your God is an inexhaustible supply. And the more we give, the more he blesses. Abram sat there on that day. When God said this, see, and this is the way we are. God says, I'm going to bless you and, and I'm going to extend you. I'm going to give you posterity. You know what Abraham's thinking? I might have like four or five or eight kids. Do you think he was seeing us? But the reality is when God called him out and said, look up at the stars, Abraham, one of those stars was you. One of those stars was me. 
And the astounding thing is, as much as he could see out on a desert night, we now know, oh no, Abram, that, that thing you're looking at that you think is a star is actually a galaxy. It's hundreds of billions of stars. Because Abraham, my promise is greater than, your, than all you could possibly ever conceive. All I'm telling you to do is when I bless, pass it out. Extend it out to others. So how do we apply this? Uh, two things. Obviously, number one, do, do I understand God's heart for the nations in all of Scripture? There, there is far too much in the church. And even when I first understand admissions, I, I thought it kind of started in Matthew 28. That was kind of, I, I didn't understand. I, I hadn't learned how to read the Old Testament. And, and then I started thinking, well, it's extended out and there are little Bible passages here and there. I used to think the same way. There's over 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament is about Jesus. From Genesis 1-1 to Malachi 4-6 and the way we are. It's all about him. It's not a little prophecy here and there. The whole thing is about him. And the whole thing is God's charter for his people to be on mission. The heart of God for us to bless the nations with the gospel is a driving concern from Genesis to Revelation. And so the question is not, is God on mission? The question is, am I joining him on mission? He is on mission. And he, he, we will never have the time. It's never going to occur in our life that we will wake up and God will not be on mission. He is always on mission around us. And brothers and sisters, please, we of all people need to be confident. God's mission will thrive. But people who are against it have more money, not than God. But they've got the levers of power, not more than God. They've got all of you, not more than God. He is committed to his mission, and we get to be part of it. What a, what a glorious thing. What if, what if you could join a team and you were told, we guarantee you they are going to win the championship at the end of the season? We're, we're telling you right now, they will win the championship. See, this is not a hard call, but I want to be on the team. Well, your team is going to win the championship of all championships. And we get the pleasure of playing along, and it doesn't matter what it looks like the score is right now, we win. Not because of us, but because of Jesus. The, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, is captain of our team. And he has already told us at the end of the game, we win, and we win massively. So you and I can have lots of fun. Because if I mess up, it's okay. He's still going to win for us. We get the joy of joining in with him. What a marvelous thing. God does not need you. He does not need me. He does not need this little congregation. He wants us. And he wants us to be part of it. Do we see that? And then secondly, am I actually engaged and part of God's mission to all nations today? This is not an add-on for a few disciples. This is not something that a few people get to do. It is the heart of God's covenant with us. Every Sunday, you're going to continue to hear it as long as I'm drawing breath. You are blessed. Go be a blessing. It's, it's a God's call for all of us. And so are we doing it? Are we reaching the nations? Okay, as you look around right now, it's kind of easy to see all these flags and all the things here. Are we reaching the nations? I want to encourage you. Almost every Sunday, we have somebody come forward and we pray for missionaries. Okay, this month, we, we've been praying for two months, actually, for India. Okay, do I join in? I, I, see, this is, this is serious. God hears our prayers. Do I join in? Or do I let my mind wander? Do I dig in my purse or wallet? Do I join in when we are praying for our missionaries? Do I do it every day? I encourage you, make it part of your daily routine. For us, for Lynn and I, it's when we sit down to eat supper every night. 
just as part of thanking God for our food, we pray for whoever our missionary is that day. Now, I pray for other missionaries and other things times throughout the day, but we pray for them every day. Do we join in, in, in asking God to be working in that way? Am I supporting missions financially? If you are giving here, you are a part of that already, and then we have opportunities when other missionaries come in. But I want to encourage you. God blesses us, and he does bless us financially, but not just so that I can consume it on myself, but rather that I can be part of the gospel going forth. And one last question, and I want us to seriously consider, is God calling me to go? That's not something for somebody else. That's a, that's a thing. For, God just poked Abraham on the shoulder and said, get up and leave and go. Jesus said, we're going to have to go to all nations. Now, the, the key verb there is make disciples, but it does require some of us to be involved in going. Don't think that's for somebody else. God might be speaking to one of you or could be me. I'm pretty sure he's called me to stay here, but to go, to be part of what he's doing. It's not some strange call any of us could be called. But the second thing I want to encourage us, and this is another good thing about today, we have a chance to reach the other nations right here. Do you realize how many nations are represented right around us in our area? I sat down the other day, and this is just the ones that came to the top of my mind, just in BRCC, in this congregation of a couple hundred people, there are people from America, even other countries like Georgia, like me, wildly different cultures than what we have here. Seriously, we do have in America, we've got several families from Puerto Rico. Nelson and I were talking about this. There's a little bit of a culture change when you came from Puerto Rico to here, right, Nelson? Like different language, okay? But that's just America, Canada, England, Romania, Russia, Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, Japan, El Salvador, Argentina. That's just in this little congregation, which is kind of crazy <laughs> when you think about it. Right here in Annapolis, which we don't think of as being, you know, this isn't, we live in New York City. Well, of course, there's people from all. This is Annapolis. But God is working and drawing and bringing even here. There are people from many nations flooding in this, uh, into this area. Now, you know what the news wants to make about all of that? Some kind of a political thing or something else. You know what needs to be on our heart about that? Gospel. Gospel. Opportunity to reach out with the gospel. One of the reasons that the gospel has spread so broadly and the people who came and helped found this country, many of them, their forebears originally got the gospel because of invaders. They often were invaders. And what Christians did is, even as the people were literally physically invading and taking over the country, well, what we can do is we'll give you the gospel. And time after time after time, Barbarians overrun Rome, and the gospel overruns the barbarians. Vikings invade and take over, and the gospel overtakes the Vikings. Anglo-Saxons come in, and the gospel overtakes every last time. I want to encourage you, don't look for how the world's asking the questions as to why the nations are at our doorstep Let's do Revelation 4 and 5 and go to heaven and say, what is God doing? How can I be involved? Never been easier to be engaged in God's worldwide mission. I don't even have to leave and go anywhere. It is right here. Am I praying for the gospel to prosper right here? Are we combining together to support the congregation and be involved and engaged so that the congregation can continue working uh, and, and supporting and working here? And am I looking for other ways to reach out to others with the gospel right here? Ask God to open doors. Have our eyes open. Brothers and sisters, I wanted to take this time this morning just to remind and renew and stoke up a little bit. God's on mission. Let's be on mission together with him. And I remind you, you know, an analogy I've used before, 
But if you, if you go to Israel, there's two seas coming off of the Jordan River. The Sea of Galilee, and what's the other one? The Dead Sea. What's the difference? What happens to when the Jordan flows into the Sea of Galilee, where does it go? Out the other side. When it flows into the Dead Sea, where does it go? It's a dead end. If God blesses you and pours out upon you and pours out upon me and I stop it and I gather it, I become the Dead Sea. But if I let it go, the Sea of Galilee is renowned for how much life and flourishing there is there even today. Let's be the Sea of Galilee. Let's let it flow through us. So we're going to come to the Lord's table. And what we're going to do, we're going to begin by standing. And we are going to recite out of the Apostles' Creed, which is something we sang a few minutes ago, part of it. And I want to encourage you because, again, I read off like 10 or 11 nations that are here, just in our congregation, okay? Much less the church around the world. But it's one flock, and it's one shepherd. And it amazes me that people from such different contexts, the words we're about to recite, they've looked at and said, that's what I believe. This is the faith that I profess. What a good thing. So we're going to join together now, and we're going to recite the faith that has been given to us once and for all. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Brothers and sisters, if you believe that, you are invited to this table. You are part of the one flock who's heard the voice of the one shepherd. And I encourage you to come and receive from the Lord this morning. If you don't believe those words we just read, then I encourage you to please speak to me or grab somebody else afterwards. And I would love to talk to you and explain why we believe the things that we do. <clears throat> so I'm going to go ahead and uh, prepare us for the Lord's table, and then the ushers are going to pass out the elements. I remind you, because we've been changing this in recent weeks, as they're coming up from the back, there's two cups in each container. So I encourage you to take those. For what I received from the Lord, I also pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As you get the elements, hold on to them, and I encourage you, let's meditate and let the Holy Spirit speak to us about how he wants to propel us into mission. Maybe the Lord will lay a person on your heart to pray for, ask God to open a door to share the gospel, or there's some other area, but let's let the Holy Spirit speak to us and stoke into flame that, uh, that passion for mission, and also take the time just to thank God for the gospel. You are here because of what he has done by his Holy Spirit. Father, you are the one who gives us life, health, and breath, and everything else. From one man, you made every nation of people that we should inhabit the whole earth and display your glory. You are the one who determined when and where we should live. 
And you did all of this so that we might seek and find you. In the fullness of time, you sent your Son, Jesus, who came to reveal you and to offer salvation to us. And though we rejected him, breaking his body in death upon the cross, you raised him up and seated him as king over all. This is the gospel. Lord, we give you thanks for all of this, and we receive the bread of life in faith. Brothers and sisters, take and eat. Lord Jesus, by your life, death, and resurrection, you have called us from every nation to be your people. So we stand here today as one flock, part of your one church scattered throughout the world. By your blood, you have secured every covenant blessing for us so that we are blessed beyond measure. All of these great blessings are ours, not because of what we have done, but because you have made us your own. We give you thanks for all of this, and we receive this cup of life in faith. Brothers and sisters, take and drink. Let's stand together, and I encourage you to join with me as I cry out for the Holy Spirit to fill strengthen and empower us and send us out. Holy Spirit, you are the Lord and the giver of life. On Pentecost Sunday, you filled your church with power and gifts so that they declared the praises of God in the languages of many nations. You are the one who fills, equips, and empowers us to go forth in the name of Jesus. So we cry out and we ask you, fill us and send us forth now. Send us forth with mouths filled with the gospel. Send us forth now with mouths filled with the praise of God. Send us forth now with hands equipped to serve. Send us forth now, overflowing with blessing, that it might be spread to the nations, beginning in our city and going forth to the ends of the world. Lord, we ask all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus, in whom every covenant, blessing, and promise is ours. And God's people say, amen. I'm going to conclude by actually using our scripture text today as the blessing because the covenant and blessing of Abraham, I encourage you to receive this from your God. God promises, I promises, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Brothers and sisters, you are blessed. Go forth and be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.